If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the Latest Mountain West Wire Football Podcast Edition. Week 4, recapping the everything that happened, MWWire.com. That's where you can find our written stuff, and thanks for stopping by from the weekend. Quite a few people. Uh, Twitter, MWCWire, where we have fun and fight with people from time to time. And Facebook, where we post articles. So, Matt Kennerly, along with me, um... Jeremy Moss, how much do you fight on our Twitter feed, Matt? Uh, every so often, I'm mostly just trying to like lead lead uh, people toward the truth about the American Conference more often than not these days. Which is that they have uh, one or two good teams, just like the Mountain West, essentially. That's debatable. Debatable. Oh, is it one good team? <laughs> well, here here's the thing, right? <laughs> and maybe, maybe we could talk about this before we get into the games. So. If you haven't looked or haven't heard, you know, the the most recent AP poll is out, right? And UCF is ranked 13th. Ooh, I didn't see they're that high. I just copied and pasted. I was doing my Boise portion of it. I didn't see 13. That's it's a bit high, I would say. And and by contrast, you know, the Boise State Broncos, who fell out after losing at Oklahoma State, who then went and got hammered by Texas Tech the very same week, they're still not even in the top 25. They're also receiving votes, and I think overall they're 27th. And I just think to myself, there's no way that there's that big of a gap between UCF and Boise State. And I just can't help but think, like, you know, well, we're going to get a better sense of how people really feel about the Knights when the college football playoff rankings come out. Because there's no way that the 13th best team in the country right now. Because, you know, I think a lot of it is propped up by the fact that they started in the top 20. Obviously, in the, yes. in the preseason, mm-hmm. but they have, but they haven't beaten anybody. And if you look at the, if you look at the teams that are above 500 in the American right now, and there's five of them. If you go and look at who they've actually beaten right now, I challenge anybody to say like, what is like the best win? That any team with a winning record in the American actually has right now, it's because not, let me let me take a stab at this because I'm guessing um, C- Cincinnati has a winning record, correct? They are now four zero. Oh, they're four zero. UCLA not a great win, even though they beat them because UCLA is has they even won a game this year? Mm-mm. No, honestly, probably uh, is it Florida Atlantic UCF's win? Is that the best one possibly? Or I don't know. You Ar- tell me. It Arkansas, could be... North Texas, or oh, they're in Conference USA. Excuse me, but uh, maybe. Well, North Texas is still unbeaten. But they're in the wrong wrong conference. I apologize. For some reason, I thought they were in there. Uh, How's Georgia Tech doing? I don't know. South Florida be Illinois and Georgia Tech. It's either either, one of a couple of kind of disappointing group of five teams so far, like Ohio 
was expected to be a contender. They're only one and two so far. They let mm-hmm. Cincinnati escape with that one. That's right. Um, you know, it's or you know something like Florida Atlantic, which might have a pretty good offense and no defense at all. It, or you could point to like a middling Power Five team like Illinois. Like, mm, come on. Yeah, exactly. Illinois or, just or, lost sixty-three to twenty-four to Penn State at home. Or, or you know, if you look ahead to UCF's matchup this weekend against Pitt, like, but, who, but they who, got who creamed by Penn State. They got creamed by and, Penn and State. And who cares if you beat Pitt? Pitt's Pitt is lousy. It's like the same thing if if Boise State were to beat up, uh, like, or dude, just look at UCLA. Who cares if Arizona State beat UCLA? They're garbage. Arizona's been garbage. You know, Houston beat them. Memphis hasn't beaten anybody. Like the the entire conference hasn't beaten anybody, and even the, some of the teams that were supposed to be good, like Navy, they Navy lost to SMU last week. They did. Well, let me flip on this. What's the best win for the Mountain West right now? Do they have any great quality wins either? I guess that depends on how you slice it. I'm I just saying, say, if you look that way too, can't we we can't be all super one sided. But like, no, I know, I know. I'm just saying. Minis- they lost to Minnesota. Um, I don't. It's. It might, San, Diego, San Diego State fans are probably screaming Arizona probably, yeah, yeah, State. Well that's, at their, well, that's what I mean. I took me a second. Like I mean, we'd get to it, but I just, I just, just a topic we didn't prepare to discuss this before at all. No, that's a good one right there. That, that's better than any win any um, team in a conference has. That's a group of five. Like if if Navy rebounds, the fact that Hawaii beat them could be considered a pretty good win. Look at Army; they almost beat Oklahoma on fifty five dollar pay per view night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the it is Arizona State, which is clearly the best one, but um, there's not many. The American has a beat that has no win over ranked team. Yes, you beat Georgia Tech, but you beat Illinois. Those are fine to do so, and they're probably favored in those games. Also, it's I don't know. Houston's probably pretty good. Navy's, but you lose SMU. That's a weird thing. SMU just doesn't look very good. So I just can't take any extended run by UCF seriously until they play somebody that's actually good on both sides of the ball. And they might not do that till the end of the season against South Florida. And have they even beat um, North Carolina? They're not that good either, even without the suspended players that they're out there playing for selling the Air Jordans. Yeah, like anytime somebody wants to crow about UCF, just tell them to go look at their defensive S&P plus of everybody they've played in like the last year and a half. Sure. Yeah, they, they, they're a good team. We're not saying they're not, but it's like don't say you're a top 13 team. No, they probably they probably won't be. Because by, by the time the playoff rankings come out, that comes out around Halloween, right? Yes. Because really quick, you look around them like, are they? I don't know. Miami, Kentucky, probably is their argument to be ranked even higher after they crushed Mississippi State. Like here's the pool that's where Texas probably still shouldn't be ranked. It's like they're not even. Um, I don't know. Mississippi State's still ranked after getting blown out. Should Cal be ranked? Are they ranked just because they're three and zero? You tell me, Cal's better than Boise State after they barely beat BYU, who's probably better than we thought but still cal might be like sneaky good they yeah. might be a they might be a player let me tell you this right now wisconsin's better than ucf you think so i do i still believe in them even though somehow BYU got that win that was a weird game but I'm just saying yeah i would think so michigan yeah, i guess that would that would be fair i, I, it's, I it's a one time one game situation but again they have a decent defense have they do they play against guys who have 300 plus linemen on each side of the ball eh, no. Yeah, but, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see. We'll see. I just think the reason they're that high because they're deserved to be ranked, probably top twenty for sure. But they moved up because my because um, not Miami, excuse me, teams lose in front of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's how polls work, and that's how they're very flawed. And had Boise beat Oklahoma State, Boise probably be would 
Where, what was the AP poll last week? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, I do not. Let me check because was Boise Boise was ahead in UCF in both polls, right? At one point. Well, last week Boise in the AP poll was the exact same. They're tied. Uh, uh, well, they were in twenty seventh last week. No, I mean, and week that was before. after they lost to Oklahoma State. Before that, they were seventeenth. And ahead of UCF, right? Uh, no, they were. Oh yeah, they were one spot ahead of UCF. So you're telling me Boise beat thirteenth? Would you? Li- I wouldn't like that ranking either. I'd say that's too high if they were to beat Oklahoma State. I don't understand how Oklahoma State can beat Boise and lose to Texas Tech and still be ranked, but Boise can lose to Oklahoma State, you know, have the next week off and not still be ranked at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. Because nobody said you played. That's why. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying. We know. We know the reasons why. But it's and also these polls like. How much are these AP guys looking? So you're giving too much credit to this poll where it's fine to t- banter and chat about, but are they watching the t- San Diego State who were who in six votes this week after squeaking by EMU? Are they really watching teams on the cusp? Like, oh, we're going to rank this team. No, they'll t- keep teams who are familiar, who they cover, who's on TV, who's ranked. Well, the Austin Texas Tech is only by 20-something points. It should still be ranky, a ranked team. Like, no. There's other ways to do it that are better, but... And overall, the American probably is slightly better. But again, it's like, I want to see these teams play somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, for UCF to be 13th in week four, here's the thing. When Boise and Nevada were ranked really, really high that year, it was, it was part of the same situation where they were good for years and years. But they were, I don't know if there's much difference. Boise seemed, they were beating Oregon and West Virginia and Georgia. Those, you know what I mean? They are beating those type of teams. That's mm-hmm. the difference, I think. And if UCF keeps winning, which... There's a decent chance they got um, Pitt, which probably win because Pitt's not very good this year. SMU, that's probably should be win. These are all um, home games, looks like I believe. Because yeah, and so they, are they going to be a top ten team if they beat Pitt by three touchdowns? They'll probably be a top ten team if they beat Pitt by three touchdowns, and then like two teams ahead of them lose. <laughs> See, that's dumb because polls are dumb like that. It's like should Oregon have really dropped out of the polls that far after that Stanford loss last night? No, probably not. But if you lose, you get penalized. If you win, you get rewarded. It's yeah, like... I don't know. I don't know. It's just... Don't get me started on the underdog poll where apparently I voted for the wrong team because... <laughs> well, let's get to that anyway. Well, just... no, no, okay. We're talking about polls, so this, this makes sense. So I'm part of the underdogs poll, and it's a group of five poll. And I, I'm doing my poll this week, and I run it by you so that sometimes, Matt, just to make sure there's no glaring, obvious miscues because... You've, there's a lot of teams. It's like the other polls. There's a lot of teams you may miss out on. And so I'm like, I'm going through looking. I'm like, hey, um, you're like, hey, what about BYU? They beat Wisconsin, which is the best win by – that could be arguably the best win of the year by any team so far. Disparity by for, any group of five team, yeah. Well, almost any team compared to ranking. Who's beating a top six, top six team? That's true. I'm just saying, like, overall it could be – and the disparity of what BYU was after losing to Cal. It's like they're a huge underdog. So I'm like I'm – like, so I emailed the guy in charge. I'm like, hey, can we vote for BYU? And I'm like, he's like, yeah, sure. And then the site account says, well, they're not really considered. I'm like, because only like four people voted for BYU out of about the 15 or so that vote. And so they were, I think, getting extra votes because me and a few others put them about the four to six range. And so that's, um, that's uh, I don't know what the deal with that is. But in that poll, Boise, somebody did Matt, give Boise State a first place vote last week. Interesting. UCF is running away with that one, so. I just want to get to that. We'll keep keep on that poll. I usually tweet that out as well. But Boise's uh, Fresno's in there. I think San Diego State as well. Hawaii dropped out. But you ready for games now? I guess we're done talking about the poll stuff. Yeah, maybe this is our excuse to not talk about Week Four because for the most part it was uh, 
hit or miss. It's pretty 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 rough it, for a while. Yeah, it, it ended up being well. Let's just say this: had Colorado State won, it wouldn't be that big a deal, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Nevada Toledo, we told you folks, take the over. <laughs> no kidding. Always take the over. Wasn't it like sixty-eight and a half or something? I don't remember the exact number. I just know that they basically matched that by halftime. I also like how people are like, God, oh, Toledo's nothing. They don't have this quarterback. They don't have that. Dude, they scored 63 points. Toledo's good. People don't give them enough credit. People, um, I don't know why. It's This game, so here's the thing about this game. You know who's going to be the best running back in a couple, maybe next year? Maybe this year? Fre- are you uh, talking about Toa, Toa, uh, Toa Tawa? True freshman Toa Tawa. That's true. 170 yards? Yes, he on had, only 15 carries. That's 11 yards a touch. Three touchdowns, yes, a 66 long. Heck, remove that, still 14 for 104 or something. He's he's amazing. Kellen Moore had a huge game. Offensively, both these teams were fine. They did great. Um, I'd like Ty Ganji maybe to complete a little bit better than 29 to 50. But it was a small, smallish things this game, like the special teams where there were, what, two, diff- two touchdowns for Toledo, the blocked punt, and that 99-yard return. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of miscues. It wasn't all. You can't all blame the defense for Nevada giving up 63 points. There's a lot to go around, but two, who knows what they would have scored anyways on those possessions. But those are two key things that stood out. It's 14 points right there. Still would have been a victory if nothing come of it. But that just adds to the wound, I guess, when you almost give up 70 points and you score 44 on your own. Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of depends on how you look at it because one of the other big things in this matchup was that Toledo – owned a huge field position advantage pretty much the entire time. Mm-hmm. And if you go look at the uh, the five factors box scores, you know one of the big things that they focus on is field position. On average, the Rockets were starting at their own 40-yard line. Wow. Where, whereas Nevada was only starting at the 26, which is closer to average, right? Mm-hmm. And you know when you consider that Nevada actually was averaging more yards per play – you know, they had a slightly higher success rate, so they were staying on schedule for the most part. I think they were also slightly better on third downs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but about the same, 6 of 18, 7 of 15, so actually slightly less. Yeah, but and also Nevada was 2 of 3 on fourth downs, too. Mm-hmm. So they were showing, so they were moving the ball almost as well as you would expect them to against a defense that we, we talked about in the preview. Toledo had questions. It was just kind of a weird confluence of events where they caught a couple of bad breaks on special teams and then the defense just couldn't stop anybody. Like I, I thought that they might make some adjustments at halftime like we had seen you know, in a couple of games so far. But Mitchell Guadagni was actually even better in the second half. He ended up with almost 400 yards of total offense and six total touchdowns. Yeah, and, there, and there's also a few things as well, like also two turnovers – and it's mm-hmm. it's a small stuff. It's like the defense, like I said, defense. It's it's not good. But Toledo's we again. Toledo's amazing what they do. But there's four miscues this game minimum. The special teams, two two uh, turnovers, fumble, and a um, uh, interception. I guess late in the game. But also it wasn't up also either. Was when they allowed the quarterback Gudagani, good one hundred thirty one. Gudagani, Sorry, I should. I didn't really watch a ton of this game. I was watching mute fast forwarding later in the day. So I'm like, dude, that guy's getting a lot of yards. They let their quarterback run for one thirty. Too many big plays. Like Toledo averaged like what nine yards per per pass attempt. 
Yeah, if I remember correctly, the, the Nevada defense gave up nine passing plays of over 15 yards. That can't happen. It's not great. And yeah. when you go back, and especially if you look at the scoring plays, it seemed like a lot of times Toledo's receivers were just getting open. Like they were getting a step or two on the Nevada secondary. And, you know, while you don't want to say it was like a it, the, the defense completely fell apart because they did manage three sacks. So they kept themselves in the game. You know, they did have eight tackles for loss as well. Gabe Sewell had, you know, had a pretty nice game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they just need to be able to be more consistent as far as just getting off the field on third downs. Yeah, like they held the besides I know besides this, besides that, but the actual running game designed running game itself, more often than not, they stopped that. It mm-hmm. was just they were crushed and the yeah, other secondary is not very good. And here's the thing too, like Toledo only threw for two hundred and thirty yards. Mm-hmm. That's not really I guess part of like you mentioned if they start if they only need sixty yards to score a touchdown, that takes away what, depending what your if they average flip flip fill position. They yeah, that's why, like I said, yards. when you look when you look at the raw yardage advantage that Nevada had, it's a little deceptive, if only because Toledo generally had less field cover. Yeah, it's uh. So, how, how, does this game put too much concern for you for Nevada, or is this about what you expected? I think that this was overall about what I expected. I you know, I think we both expected a high scoring affair, mm-hmm. and I think when you look back at what they accomplished in conference play, I think you know going two and two is probably not that bad. I think we know going into Mountain West play that they are definitely going to be led by their offense. Their offense is going to give them a lot of opportunities to win games. But the defense is going to have to put together better performances than this if they want to really be a challenger in the West Division. They do. It's not even like give it up yards, give it up points. They got to make – because there's teams where they'll get turnovers or they'll get short fields. That's what they need to do. It's like, yeah, give up points, give up yards. We know what's going to happen. But they need a couple times a game where they maybe get a, a, a turnover where they only have to go 20 yards for a touchdown. Something mm-hmm. like that where I know it's a lot to ask for, but when the turnover margin, things like that on defense, like get for, get the ball back essentially and get good field position. Mm-hmm. I know that's because your yards are going to come unless they philosophically change and the days get better what they're doing, which that could happen to a degree. But if they're going to make an instant impact to be a contender, they need to do it like what Wyoming did a couple years ago when they were getting Logan Wilson was getting pick sixes when they were, I know it was the year I think they went to the title game, but they were getting big plays where they were forcing turnovers, getting fumbles, recovering interceptions. You don't have to score on those, but just stop the defense where you make one play instead of needing to stop a team consistently. It's 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 a balance to have, and turnovers are hard to get, but they're getting to the quarterback, so maybe they could figure out how to strip sack the quarterback more. Eight, they had eight TFLs, maybe knock the ball loose or do something like that a bit of here or there. That mm-hmm. could make a huge difference where a 7- or 14-point swing in that range or a 3- to 14-point swing from field goal for you, nothing for them, something like that, where that can make a big difference in a game, even though they still may give up like six yards of play. Mm-hmm. So, But you're right, 2-2. Two and two. We Vanderbilt's better better than we thought. We figured this is probably about the average two and two. I think I was a bit more optimistic. I think I said three and one, but two and two is fine. You know what I mean? It's oh yeah. It's where it's nothing. It's not they're not better or worse than we thought. I'd say during the off season, there's still going to be a factor one way or the other, whether it's as a contender or as a spoiler. Yeah, remember late last year versus Fresno, not Fresno, but Air Force, um, CSU, those games. Mm-hmm. They're putting up points. They got Air Force next week on the road, which is a uh, 
I don't know. We'll see what happens to them. But 2-2 two two Wolfpack, and let's move on. Next game, uh, I guess we have to go there. Sadly. Illinois State, 35. Colorado State, 19. Somebody asked us if we had a GoFundMe for $8 million. Sadly, I do not. <laughs> I'm sure somebody else has set that up already. Those are lame. Come on, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Just You can make the joke about it online, but don't actually do it. Because... First off, there's two dummies here. The guy who's setting it up who makes the jokes and the people actually pay for it who think it's going to happen. Yeah. And part of it, too, the money goes back after your 20 or 30 days, whatever the length is. But still, it's like, come on. So, I guess it's time for Colin Hill? Permanently? Is it? That's what some people are saying. See, it's very interesting seeing how other people are reacting to this game. And I, I retweeted a couple of things on the Mountain West Wire Twitter mm-hmm. earlier this morning, which were basically two contrasting columns from from regional columnists. One of them was saying that they basically bailed KJ Carter Samuels by benching him for Colin Hill. And the other one was suggesting exactly what you just did, which is that they should move on from Carter Samuels, hand the offense over to Colin Hill, and basically start playing for 2019. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know that the offense has been the problem all the time. It's I mean, not. No, it's not. It's the defense most more often than not. The offense hasn't been great and amazing. It's just not a Nevada situation where the offense could put up 40 points on anybody. I mean, maybe. It's just, you know, when you look at, the, when you look at this game, you kind of have to start with the defense. They're just not getting it done. They gave up almost eight yards of play to Illinois State. Oh! Jeez, uh, that's um, it is for your reference. That is undefeated Illinois State. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> that makes you feel any better. But it's they nine yards per pass, six yards a run. This game was they were down. They scored. They scored first really quick, six zero. But then they give they allowed what twenty one straight points, mm-hmm. fourteen. They were down twenty one to six to an FCS team at home. Like they had an interception, they couldn't do anything with it. I know well, that. Oh man, it's just. Uh, man, well, and here's here's the other thing, which I'm I'm hesitant to say that they need to move on to Colin Hill. Like, have you seen Colin Hill throw the football at all this year? Um, yeah, it looks like a guy who's six months removed from an ACL surgery. He does, and uh, I didn't have enough time to go through and see how this compares to all the Group of Five quarterbacks, but I could tell you this much: if you go to College Football Stats and you sort by all of the Mountain West quarterbacks who have thrown for at least 30 attempts. Colin Hill is by far the worst quarterback in the conference so far. His quarterback rating after four games, 32 attempts, is 79.1. You mean, which, is about, which is about 20 points lower than anybody else. Oh boy. And you mean CFB stats, right? Or yes. Okay, I'm like, what's this new website? Yeah, cfbstats.com. <laughs> He's just like he he's I mean and and against Illinois State he was only nine of seventeen. He did have the touchdown, but I think Marvin Kinsey did most of the work on that pass. It's just you know, why? What has he shown you in non conference play to make you think that that's the answer? And it's a health risk too. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, he's he's he must be healthy enough to play. But I mean I mean, and if you look back at what KJ Carter Samuels has done in non-conference play, he like nobody in the conference has had more responsibility thrust on him than Carter Samuels. He's leading the conference in attempts by you know by seven passes over Cole McDonald. Which is nuts. Yeah. 
and he has 11 touchdowns. He has four interceptions. He's got a pretty decent quarterback rating. It's just, you know, the situation that he's in has really nothing to do with him and everything to do with the fact that a lot of things are falling apart around him. Yeah, it's you know, the, looking at the offense is not the problem. It's the defense. Well, the defense has utterly failed them. Yeah. In well, the and this, this running attack has been subpar by miles. Mm, yeah. Because that's part of it, too. It's like maybe that's why he's throwing more. But most people, us included, like they they have what they've done the past year or two and who they have coming back. We figured they would probably possibly have one of the best overall running attacks in the conference. And they don't. And that, that's a big thing as well. This is defense, but look at the running attack Like for the whole year. They're not doing what people thought they would do. They're sitting. Did you know they are? They have one rushing touchdown the whole year? I they, did not know they that. They are 11th in yards per game. They're averaging. I'll give you a guess. Give me their average yards per carry running the ball. Uh, it's probably something like 3.7. Oh, you're way off. 2.89. They are... San Jose State's worse at 201, but 2.89, and I this isn't SAC adjusted, so I know there's some mm-hmm. differences in there, but 2.8 yard to carry. Take away, okay, here, take away 100 SAC yards. Let's just say there's 100. That gives them only 563 yards. That still puts them ninth in total yards, and they've played five games. That gives them, here's the thing, they're at five games. They have fewer yards than. Fresno, three games. Boise, three games. Air Force, three games, has f- doubled their rushing yards, which I know it's Air Force, but they played five games and are at the bottom of the conference in total rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Even though total yards is a dumb stat, but it makes my point where you play five games, you should be near the top, right? You would think. But they're not. And so it's it's a defense, but I'd, I'd put a huge blame on the running game being just dreadful. Yeah, and I mean, it's not the quarterback situation that made Wyatt Bryan miss a, an extra point and a field goal in the first half. No. I mean, let's not forget, it was only 14-6 to six at halftime. Yeah. And, you know, the defense just got pushed around for the entire 60 minutes. They had zero sacks and one tackle for loss against Illinois State. And look at this, like the, a couple of big plays, like you mentioned, big plays. They had punts. 57-yard touchdown pass on this suing play. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not the quarterback's fault. And so going to Colin Hill, what, is Colin Hill going to play defense now? Is he going to tackle on his surgically repaired knee? Is he going to kick points to that bum knee that's still recovering? Six months. I don't know if I had mentioned it in the preview podcast about the, the S&P Plus projection for this game. I don't it remember. Was, it was basically dead even, which I thought was a typo. Bill, what are you doing? <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Like, I, know, that's I, I, mean. I thought it was a typo, and then Illinois State just came out and blew the doors off the Rams. And, you know, when you think ahead to the rest of their schedule, are we sure that there are any guaranteed wins left on their schedule? I put them- and this is And this is including the fact that they're playing San Jose State and New Mexico in the next couple of weeks. Like, do we even think, like, they have a better than 50-50 chance of winning either of those games? I would say against San Jose State, yes. I put them 11th this week in my power pool. Mm-hmm. 11th. They're that bad. They um, are. As for, as for those teams, I would say, is San Jose State at home or road game? Uh, they are, let's, let me pull that up real quick. They are at San Jose State. Whew. I'd still give them, a, I'd still say they could beat San Jose State. I think San Jose State is that bad. 
New Mexico, mm, now if that passing game gets going a bit more, they run reasonably good with uh, McGee back there calling the shots. I mean, let's put it this way. They're, they're dead last in the conference in opposing passer rating. And it's not even close. You know, they've given up the most touchdowns. They only have four interceptions. They're the only team in the conference allowing more than 10 yards per attempt so far. And yeah, I'm trying to pull up the I'm trying to pull up the rushing data as well to see what they're doing on a per play really basis. Really quick. So I'm going to I just Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, they're also dead last in rushing yards per carry allowed. Like Colin Hill is not going to save this team. What's going to save this team is finding guys who can make plays on defense because we've seen some nice individual performances from week to week. You know, VJ Banks had a good game last week. But, you know, this, I just don't know. I don't know where this team goes from here. If they can't stop anybody, it's not going to matter what they do at quarterback or anywhere else. I got two things here I can tell you about. One, something I learned about the offseason a little while ago, but before I get to that, I always have ESPN box score just because. Mm-hmm. So I go to the FPI. They're not favored in any game the rest of the way. Oof. At San Jose State, 44.8%. At San Jose State, you're – 45% chance to win at home versus New Mexico. Uh, Boise, 2%. Wyoming, 34 Even Yeah, you, I, Nevada, they're still somehow given 22% chance to win. So, you know, this offseason, there was a little rumbling I found out a while back. Did you know who, was it, who Colorado, Colorado State attempted to get to be their defensive coordinator? I did not see anything about that, no. Scotty Hazleton. Interesting. He said, no thanks. Well, I can't blame him. You know who's going to be the next head coach of Colorado State? Scotty Hazleton. Hmm. <laughs> I'll say it. He'll be the head coach. Mike Bubble is ridiculously terrible. It's not looking good for him. It, it's not. It's it, it's not at all because they've had new – here's the thing, too. They let – well, Marty English retired, so it's not like he was fired, but it's not like the defense is good with him. They bring in the new D.C., not doing anything special. They had to bring in – or Will, Will Friend took, like, the same job at Tennessee – or mm-hmm. lesser job, essentially, as an offensive line coach. This is not going well at all. And they have talent. I know the defense isn't good, but the offense running the ball, as I mentioned, needs to, should be better, best in the conference just about, maybe behind only what UNLV and Air Force. They should be near the top in what they have back. And play, well, and maybe yeah. it's worth mentioning, and, and I should give credit. I think it was our, our compadre, Justin Michael, who had mentioned this. Maybe they just don't have the same leadership along the offensive line anymore, because they did lose a couple of key guys. You know, they lost Jake Bennett mm-hmm. in the off season to graduation. They lost Zach Goldich, and maybe these new guys on the line just don't have the same kind of cohesion yet. Well, let me bring it back again. How does that help Colin Hill who has a bum knee? How is he? I'm just saying. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, but I, I know what you're saying, but it all comes back to this guy six surgery six like six months ago. You want to put him out there? Like, that's why I figure, like, put him out there late Halloween. Give him a couple weeks after eight months or something minimum. Because Colin, certain... Colin Hill is not going to save this season. That's my point, too. It's like, I get the point. Curtis Samuels has gone after this year. But you should wait until he's more healthy. Like, I know he's out there playing, but six months is way too soon to have a guy out there. In, mo- in almost, every, almost any scenario, unless you're, like, in a football contact sport, you're not coming back that quickly. Basketball? Maybe. Yeah, baseball, I could see that a little bit, depending where you play. Not catcher, obviously, but it takes at least like eight months to get out there. Maybe maybe he'll super fast. That's great, but if it's this bad, why are you going to risk him? He's already t- tore both knees twice. 
Well, the upside for KJ Carter Samuels is at least he's not in the UCLA. Yeah. Getting mur- getting murdered behind that offensive line. It's, hey, he'd be in LA though, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I, I, I hear you. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. They play. They get a bye week, so maybe they're going to make a change. But I mean, if I were Mike Bobo, I would stick with Carter Samuels. I, I mean, he would be like the what the best quarterback to get benched since who? It's not like he's utterly failing. He'd be like work- some, he would be like, it- like some like some other quarterbacks we'll talk about in a little bit. It's like if the Bucks actually wanted to put Jameis Winston in, in two weeks <laughs> over Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know I- where this team goes from here. This is a. I'm, wor- I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of talking about this team. One last thing: it's a worse quarterback situation than Boise State last year, and I hated that one as much. So much. Well, at least it kind of. At least Montel Cozart did stuff when he was in the game. Yeah, he threw a shovel pass to lose against Washington State. Well, beyond that. <laughs> no, you're right. It wasn't that bad, but it's still frustrating. This is just like stop trying to make it happen. It's not the quarterback's fault. It's not. It's whatever. Even with whatever, let's move on. We we didn't discuss the game at all, but uh, let me give one shout out to Obasai Johnson, seven for one hundred seven and a touchdown. Good for him. Cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Do we go to the rain rain soaked game in Jonesboro next? Is that where we're going to? Ah, uh, yeah. Another disappointment. Arkansas State twenty seven, UNLV twenty. You know who had a bad quarterback day? Armani Rogers. That depends on how you slice it. Throwing the ball was his worst game ever. Throwing the ball, yeah. He was only 5 of 21, 23 yards, 3 interceptions. That's like a yard at attempt. Come on, man. That's terrible. It is. And it's a quarterback rating of 4.4. And, I mean, it wasn't just that he threw 3 interceptions. It was that at least 2 of those interceptions were deep in Arkansas State territory. You know, they were well. They were past the the werewolves forty, and they were just kind of the kind of back breaking, really bad decisions that you know young quarterbacks can maybe get away with once or twice. But it was just it was rough to see him <laughs> throw some of those passes. But then you look at what he did on the ground relative to everybody else on the offense. He was still like their number one playmaker because mm-hmm. Lexington Thomas only had. 82 yards which was fine you know he had a couple of big runs but for as bad as Rodgers was throwing the football he also kept them in the game with his legs too because he, he had did. 181 yards including a touchdown he did also that third pick was almost near midfield so yeah it was they had chances also special teams doesn't help either when they can't hold on to punts and kicks mm-hmm. and there were I guess somebody said technically five turnovers or whatever but like, Arkansas State's a good team, but UNLV had plenty of chances. They did. Because you, you look at how how Arkansas State played. Like, UNLV's defense, pretty good against the run. Against the run. They held a Hanson, um, just, just as Hanson, under 200 yards. Three touchdowns is a killer. Like, they weren't blown out in any aspect. Again, short field because of turnovers, midfield on most of them or farther or more. Like, well, I guess maybe that's the opposite to say. But special team score, mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is, like, it wasn't like Arkansas State – it was 27-20. UNLV was in this game despite playing a really poor game overall. That's definitely true. And that's not that's bad. They lost, but it's not the worst thing in the world for a team that historically will lose 50-10 to 10 or give up in games when they're down early. Yeah, and their defense played pretty well, too, for very long stretches. 
you know, they, they managed three sacks, which matched Arkansas State's own. And they, you know, they were okay when it came to limiting big plays. They gave up six chunk plays through the air and on the ground. But on a per-play basis, it the difference between the two teams was not that great. You know, Arkansas State was over six yards per play. But it felt like it was the kind of game that could change if only they could like get one big play, like one turnover or something like that. Well, when you're minus three, yeah, that's a problem. It is a problem. And then also end of the game where they're making a move, holding turnover on downs with two minutes yeah. left. It's like because there's an interception. It's like oh crap, missed field goal. They get a chance. They get the ball. They have to go pretty far down the field, and they only went. They went technically. It went minus two yards on seven plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, come on, get something done. Rogers, like his passing, it's I know it's bad. He kept him in the game on the ground, but he was wildly inaccurate as well. He's like, I know there's rain and wind, but he was like missing guys by five yards above their head sometimes. Yeah, and I mean the other thing is too, and one of what I think was maybe maybe the weirdest thing about this game is both of these teams were backed up into obvious passing situations a lot. Yeah, did you go and look at the uh, the average third down distance for these teams? I did not. So for context, UNLV was only 5 of 17, but Arkansas State was only 3 of 13. And UNLV averaged 9.4 yards to go on third down. Arkansas State averaged 9.5. Oh, Jesus. So there and especially late in the game, you know, Rodgers was in situations where it was just like you couldn't expect him to succeed as often as he did. He was only two. They were only two of eight converting on nine yards or more. And the last three third down or the last four, excuse me, third down conversions that they had were over 12 yards apiece. It was 12, 20, 10 and 19. It was kind of absurd that the odds that they were having to get, that they were giving themselves to try and come back in this game. It was just – I don't want to blame the quarterback play, but when he turned it over – it's it is the quarterback play. It's like, yeah, he played well, but he also turned it over. It's like – you can say what you want. He kept him in the game, but he also hurt them more as much as he helped them. Yeah. Because here's a couple of things that also – the reason the game was this close despite the being minus – if you're plus three, you should be winning by two, two plus touchdowns. Generally speaking, yeah. And so, like, the interception, first one went for a punt. They only scored, I think, seven points off turnovers. Arkansas State did, I believe. If I'm uh, I think they scored six points, technically. Yeah, they – oh, come on. Or thir- 13, rather. Sorry. Well, oh, wait, special team? Oh, the blo- I guess the block punt. Do you kind of – I was, I was looking at the – yeah, I was looking at the wrong column. So you consider block punt a turnover? Well, apparently statbroadcast.com does. All right, then. So, okay. If we include that, I was just looking at offensive plays. But mm-hmm. if I stick with offensive plays, that obviously counts. It technically it is. Actually, yeah, that is. I would say that's a turnover because you gave the ball up on the play. It's a fumble or something recovery. I, so, But just on offensive plays, the first one went for, went for a punt. The second one went for a touchdown. And then the third one was a missed field goal. So they were pretty lucky in that respect. The defense stepped up and stopped Arkansas State from doing a few things. Because mm-hmm. Arkansas make, makes two field goals, they lose thirty three twenty, maybe even more. Yeah. So it's it's a bad game. It's here's the positive you take it. Like I said, they played so poorly. They're not gonna play this bad again, passing the ball. I don't think all year, or maybe even the next decade, because it's so atrociously bad at the throwing throwing game. 
but they're almost able to win this game on the road against a pretty good Arkansas State team despite being minus three. Terrible quarterback play, and like you said, how many third down conversions they're put into. So that's that's a good thing, but the bad thing is you still lost the game, and New York is now 2-2, two and two, which is probably what we thought they'd be, maybe 3-1. and one. Well, I, I mean, I think that when you look back over their schedule, 2-2 two and two was probably the most reasonable scenario. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's kind of like we just talked about with Nevada. Their strengths are going to keep them in a lot of games, like we saw. But, you know, there's pressing questions that, depending on which way the answer falls, is going to... De- it's going to determine how things shake out in conference play. Like Rogers is just going to have to be a better passer at some point. You know, the defense is going to have to continue figuring out how to be disruptive. And I guess those are the two big things. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> You're is, asking yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, all right. I think we're good there. So we'll see. They got uh, New Mexico at home next week. Then at Utah or two weeks from now. Sorry. Then mm-hmm. at Utah State will be tricky. So what do we got next? What is the uh, nightcap we're going to uh, we are going to Utah State. Oh boy, forty-two to thirty-two over if, Air Force. If you did not watch this game, you're a fool. That was a fun game. It was a great game. Yes, I know Stanford Oregon was a fun game, but that was ended before this one. So even if you tuned in second half of this game, you got you're in for a treat. Mm-hmm. I think Utah State the way they're playing. Like here's the thing about Utah State. What I noticed, which I like, they score fast and super fast. That's two speeds they go over their. That's drives. true, like, especially when you look at the possession time in these games. Yeah, well, still with Air Force, it was a uh, forty-three to basically forty-four to sixteen, mm-hmm. and that's typical anyway for any Air Force game. But still, they were scoring on drives like under a minute. They were going down the field and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, and that was despite the fact I think Air Force, if I, if I read correctly, they set a record for the amount of plays that they ran. Do you do you know off the top of your head how many offensive plays the Falcons ran? One hundred and seven. One hundred and seven. That's more than Army did against Oklahoma, and they ran like ninety in overtime. And you know, when you look at the when you look at the numbers, and you were looking the way they were nearly successful in grinding down the Aggies' defense, they were eleven of twenty six on third down. <laughs> I saw then, that, <laughs> and then also five of seven on fourth downs. So they were just like they were pushing the Aggies to their limit for pretty much the entire game. And give credit to the to the Aggies' defense, especially for pushing back you know they did have two sacks with both of which were pretty critical and they did have seven tackles for loss which you know may not seem like a lot but when you consider that they were running so many plays just being yeah. able to being able to get timely stops here and there is i think you know all you could ask for yeah and like jordan love like i i failed to do my qb rankings this week i apologize again folks but three 356 two touchdowns 26 38 the running game is back with Bright there, Gerald Bright doing amazing things, that huge 70-yard run. My favorite play of the game, though, was when it, some Utah State fans were – you always see the officiating. Oh, they're terrible. They're bad. A lot of people mm-hmm. thought that the uh, turnover for touchdowns should have been forward progress. Sure, maybe, but I love it. This Air Force guy runs, gets out of the scrub with the ball and runs for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was like, holy crap, is it Utah State going to lose this one? Because Utah, Utah State seemed to be in control for most of this game. But that, oh, yeah. that 14 points, or excuse me, the uh, 15 points in that fourth quarter, they made it extremely close and got a lot of Utah State fans nervous. And here's the thing. Um, would you count this as a close win for Utah State? Mm, I think you can make the argument either way. I would too because Chad was, well, 
Matt Wells uh, did an interview the other day. He's like, we need close wins if we're going to be turning a corner. I would count this because they were up big. The Air Force came back to make it a three-point game, and then they had pulled away to win by 10. So yeah. I would say yes, but it's still not a one-possession victory, <laughs> which is fine. No. You don't want a ton of those. But with it being 35-32 where, like, here's where it gets it's dicey. Air Force, Utah State goes the one play, 30-yard touchdowns, nine seconds. It looked like they're smooth, smooth into a victory. You're going to win 35-17. All right, field goal. Or 35-14, excuse me. Field goal, all right, whatever. Punt, not a big deal. Touchdown, okay, 35-25, not a big deal. Holy crap, that fumble I talked about for a touchdown, 35-20, 35-32. Then they put on three plays to get three and out. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Air Force drives all the way down to midfield, has to punt. But, man, there is a, right there, it's like, holy crap. Well, and give credit to Utah State for coming out and answer the, answering the bell immediately after that. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was when Gerald Bright broke open his 70-yard touchdown. Like, see you, folks, I'm out of here. And that was really what put the game away. But, I mean, I'm with you. I feel like this was Jordan Love's game to win. And, you know, early, he made a lot of plays. He had 250 yards by halftime. And he made enough plays late when it looked like the game might be slipping away to keep the Falcons at bay. And, I mean, we should probably give credit to the Falcons, too, because this was probably their best overall performance this year even though they still kind of struggled to contain big plays. Uh, Utah State definitely had a lot of chunk plays through the air, especially. But, you know, the running game got it together for the Falcons. And, you know, the new guy that we talked about at the top of the depth chart, Caden Remsburg, you know, 94 yards on 17 carries, five and a half yards per carry. They were efficient. And this was the kind of game that makes you think, you know, Air Force could trip someone up down the line in conference play. Oh, they could. And they also went to the two quarterbacks. They started Sanders, mm-hmm. who played quite well, brought up Worthen for a little bit, who he did fine. He moved the ball reasonably well enough. But they also had to throw 21 times, which yeah. is not what you want to see from Air Force. Not ideal. And the defense of Air Force is still an issue. It's almost always an issue. And that's kind of how they lost this game. Not necessarily the quick strikes, but the – they get back in this game, and the defense can't make a play. That 70-yard touchdown, or not touchdown run, but the uh, near touchdown, the 70-yard run by Bright. It's mm. those type of things where they're allowing Utah State to score so quickly that, yeah, this offense is meant to go with how deep they are for four to six running backs. Like, look how my guys ran the touch the ball on the ground. They still need to give their offensive line a breather. You can't allow an opposing team to score in 35 seconds. And by the time you get to kickoff, TV timeout, that's like, what, a four-minute break at most? Something like that, yeah. you got to give them at least like seven minutes, folks. Do do something. And that's a concern, like giving up too many quick points. When your offense did fine, they were in the game, it didn't seem to bother them, but give them an extra little bit here and there, that that can help out. Well, and there was also like those those missed opportunities from Air Force as well. They, They had a missed field goal late in the first half that Utah State went and turned into a touchdown in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's those kinds of opportunities that you know ultimately make the difference in the end. And that comes off you know, the and, 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 recovery. And, yeah, and maybe it is that they they kick the field goal and then Utah State drives down the field and scores anyway. But you know, when you're on the road and when your offense is really picking you up the way that it was, especially in that first half, you've mm-hmm. got to take advantage of all those opportunities. Yeah, and so maybe that's something to keep an eye on in the weeks to come, you know, if air forces, special teams are a little bit shaky, 
maybe that explains in part why they were so willing to be able to push the envelope on fourth downs. Let me ask you this then. Does Utah State crack your top three? Hmm. I put them fourth. That's where I put them this week again. I think I would have to kind of reassess everything. I haven't actually filled up my power rankings yet, so I don't want to commit one way or the other. No, that's perfectly fine. No, I understand. You don't have to commit now, but like they're in the conversation. Like those top four teams, I think they're all really close. I think you're right. I would say, I don't know. Utah State's offense might, I don't know. They look really good. Better than it's been in forever. And again, credit David Yost for his next year in the system, year two. He has this is what he wants to see happen. It's amazing with when they actually have a running game, they don't have to rely just on the passing. Defense, mm-hmm. it could be better, but 100 plus plays. They did what they had to do, right? Yeah. I mean, they they got the job done. That's all that matters. So, okay. But you but you would say they're in that conversation for the top four, at least, at bare minimum? Oh, yeah. Are they better than San Diego State? He'll talk about in a second here. Well, uh, I guess personally, if you're making me choose right here on the air, I would go <laughs> – I would still go Boise, Fresno, San Diego, Utah State. That's what I did as well. I would say because for me, because beating New Mexico State and beating Tennessee Tech is meh. Even though they crushed them and played well, and they played Michigan State tough enough. It's a game where we'll see, we'll see this. They play BYU in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And if BYU's it's a Friday night game, I'm going to see if I can sneak in to get some passes that game to go watch that Friday night. But not sneak in, but you know what I mean, get passes. Yeah, I know not, not, to, not to pay for the game. I'm, I'm Whatever. I, those type of things. BYU plays at Washington, so if BYU were to somehow to beat Washington down the road, I'm going to say no at the moment, despite my Twitter feed still getting blown up because I made a... Pete asked me, Pete Futek, asked us for a dumb prediction. I said BYU go 2-10. and 10. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember you ran that by me before you submitted yeah. it. He asked for bold, borderline stupid, and that's pretty stupid, right? Apparently now it is. Yeah, and like my buddy who works where I work at now is like, at least tag him. I'm like, yes, tag me. I don't care. I'm fine. They asked for something stupid and bold. Everybody else was boring and vanilla. I'm like, I went big. However, if the BYU somehow beats Washington down the road, which, again, I'm saying that's not going to happen, that'll be like a top 15 game versus Utah State. Utah State gets to play a top 15 ranked team. Mm-hmm. So they get a week off, so we'll see. And But we'll know more next week because Boise plays San Diego State. So mm-hmm. let's get to that game now. Eastern Michigan, the fighting Eagles of Maction nearly beat uh, the Aztecs with the backup quarterback. 23-20. That second half was not good for the Aztecs. Again, I think it kind of depends on how you slice it. Hey, you don't score points. That's not good. I'll, I'll stay that. I'll slice it that way <laughs> outside of the field goal to tie it. True. But, I mean, when you really look at how that second half shake shook out, it was only 10-3 to 3 if you're just looking at the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. But that second quarter, like, that actually is four, 17 straight points, I think, allowed, right? Yeah. I mean, the problem – to me was you know they weren't moving the ball as effectively in the second half as they were in the first half and if you look at you know the the total yardage splits between the two you know they nearly outgained EMU 2 to 1 in the first half and then in the you know, after halftime the Eagles were basically able to flip that script and they were outgaining the Aztecs 2 to 1 so it ended up kind of evening out all things considered it was just they were a lot better in the first half moving the ball than they were in the second and, you know, they were one of six in the second half on third downs, four of seven in the first half. And 
you know, we can you can talk about that, but I mean, it also comes down to the fact that when they needed to make plays, the defense also made plays. No, oh, they made plenty of plays, and then also the running game. Eastern Michigan, give them a ton of credit. They held that game running game in check for the most part. There was a few. Yes, there were three big runs, but those equaled about a hundred total yards. Yeah, ninety-eight yards on three plays. Yes, those yards happened, but they only had one seventy-four in the day. Chase Jasmine, excuse me, led the team with ninety-four yards, no rushing touchdowns. Washington had sixty-one, and half that came in one play. And so, yeah, there's a couple big plays, but overall, Eastern Michigan found a way to stop that attack, rushing attack, and enforce Ryan Agnew to beat him, and he did just okay. But the running game is where there's a big difference, I think, of why it was so close. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I could agree with that. Good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but Eastern Michigan's also a pretty good team. It's not like it's a matched team where where they were a couple years ago. They're doing quite well. There's a uh, the missed field goal is pretty tough, but man, that game tying field goal fifty yards out. Oh yeah, I'm like holy crap because the one before he missed, what was that? That was a chip shot. It was, essentially, it was a 35. 30, it was a 35 yarder. They go down six plays. Like all right, what do you got here? We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna pass the ball incomplete. They got a pass interference to give him a huge boost to get to uh, deep in that EMU territory. They have first and ten to thirty-two and get like and get no yards. They have minus a yard, mm-hmm. and then they he nails a fifty-yard field goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know if you're if you're pessimistic about the Aztecs, one thing you can point out is that they did have to settle for field goals rather than being able to push for touchdowns. But again, if you're optimistic, you point to the fact that John Barron the second hit three of four, including the one to set it to overtime from fifty, and the one to clinch it in overtime from thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. And we we've talked a little bit about Dominic Eberle and he, how he's still perfect on the year. I believe he's up to eight of eight right now. John Barron's eight of nine on the season right now, so he's having a pretty good year too. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe. I mean, maybe you could kind of quibble a little bit about just the ability to finish drives in this particular matchup. But, I mean, let's also give credit to the San Diego State defense. They did mostly the same thing to Eastern Michigan as well. Like, yeah. you know, the, the two quarterbacks, we talked about how explosive they could be. And yeah, they had an okay game. They were seven of, or 17 of 27 combined for 236 yards and a touchdown. But they also forced him. They also forced Mike Glass to make that critical mistake late in the game in overtime. Yeah, the interception. And that interception from Darren uh, Darren Hall was a really heads up play. So I mean, maybe it wasn't pretty, but a W is a W, and it kind of played to what I think are San Diego State's strengths. So even though they were a little bit uneven from half to half and things like that. Ultimately, they got the job done, even despite some disadvantages. Like, you know, Eastern Michigan had a, you know, a mild advantage in average field position. They were starting on their own 35 on average, but their success rate was slightly lower. You know, they held them to only four points per trip inside the 40. And it's those little things that make the biggest difference. And also, um, their 10 TFLs against that experienced San Diego State line was a big reason they stopped that running attack. So, yeah. and Eastern Michigan, they're going to be a pretty good team to Mac. They're going to go to a bowl game, clearly. They may match up with the Mountain West team in the Potato Bowl, possibly, down the road, because that's one of the mm-hmm. key tie-ins. Basically, I think if you're third, you'll possibly get that spot. So, and they can finish there. So, it's a good win for them, right? Good Aztecs get the 23-20 win. They are sitting at 3-1. and 
getting a couple of points in each of the polls. Then they go to Boise State and excuse me, two weeks, not next week. I apologize. I thought it was next week. It's October 6th. Mm-hmm. That's not next week, right? We're not that far in September, are we? No, it's two weeks. Away. Okay, it's making sure I'm like, is my calendar off here? So they have an off week to prepare where at the moment they are in um, FPI says 85% chance of victory for Boise. All right, then. You ready for the night game, folks? Everyone? Let's, let's do it. Hawaii. Duquesne. On my Watch Stadium app. Only available on the app. Nowhere else. Beats. <laughs> who gets the victory? Sorry. That's very dramatic. But it's true. I was trying to go on the website. I'm like, oh, can't go to the website. So I go to the app to watch. I only watched a little bit. It was late. So, but heck, they win. They are, what, 4-1 and one now? Yes, they are. They're going to be the first bowl eligible team in the country, as I called it, in two weeks. And who else shows up but Cole McDonald with a big game? Shocker, shocker. Five touchdowns, 24-40. Well, and it was interesting, too, because the offense was a little shaky early on. Mm-hmm. You know, Cole McDonald did throw his first interception of the year on the first drive. And that was after they had moved the ball a little bit, but they forced Duquesne to punt, and that was a positive. And but... then Duquesne for <laughs> and then Duquesne forced a fumble and you know took an early lead and they pushed that lead to 14. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, well, what's Hawaii gonna do now? And then they basically came out, put the clamps on the defense, you know, the offense came out firing, and they took it from there. And so it was a little shaky right at the very beginning. But, you know, they did exactly what you would expect a team like Hawaii to do against a team that, you know, we knew they had some talent coming in. But, you know, they kept Nahari Crawford in check. He only had five catches for 29 yards. And McDonald went and had himself another really good game, 24-40, 273 yards, five touchdowns. You know, the defense answered the bell. They had three sacks as a team. So, overall a very strong performance from the Warriors. I do appreciate Duquesne pulling the onside kick after they're up 7-0. That's true. I mean, that's the kind of thing that when you're an underdog, you pull out all the stops to try to win. So that was a, But after that, like, it was 14-0. There was a concern, but Hawaii just, like, outscored them 42-7. And for the uh, running back at Dayton, Florida had 114, so it's a pretty good day. Holly did all right, but... That but, dude looks like that dude looks like I the the person I would least want to tackle in the yeah, Mountain West. Yeah, he's five eleven, two fifty. That's a big dude. That is he's gonna be once he gets going and maybe gets a few more carries. Him and Holly, jeez, he's like a fullback. Who do you have that guy of that size playing running back in the run and shoot offense? To give him something different to think about, I guess just a bowling ball and knock all ten. They, knock they, ten they can't all they can't all be John or Sua. I, I guess not. It's, uh, but, man, Hawaii. So they're sitting at forward one What else is there to say over this game besides McDonald's, like, what, really, really good? And probably the – again, I don't want to do quarterback rankings and all that stuff, but there's some good quarterbacks in the conference now. People need to pay attention. Well, and if you didn't see it on Twitter, I'm just going to throw this, this fun fact out there. If McDonald keeps up his current pace, <laughs> you know, by the time he reaches the number of attempts that Derek Carr had – when he set the Mount West passing touchdowns record, uh, he would have 72 touchdowns and three interceptions. What's the NCAA record? Oh, I don't have that in front of me. We should look that up and see, but that would be... First off, he's not going to have just three interceptions, right? Probably not. That's, I think... 
(laughs) we've seen him face some some shaky defenses so far and but it's interesting to think about how this offense is going to match up with some of the tougher defenses especially in the west division and how he responds to adversity is going to be something that's really interesting to watch will the over under hawaii nevada game be crack 100 Probably. You think so? They'll put they'll set it at 100 going into the game. And by the way, the the all time record is 58. Colt Brennan. Colt, Colt Brennan in 2006. How many games did he play? Does that include the um, Sugar Bowl game, or do you have no touchdowns in that game? No, 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 no. That was the year before the Sugar. Oh, Bowl. The, oh, you're right. 207. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, 50. It was 58 touchdowns. 58 no, no, touchdowns. No, that was his final year. He played three years at Hawaii. Sugar Bowl was in 08. Wasn't it? No, that was the 2007 season. They honored that during homecoming last oh, night. Oh, maybe I'm mistaken here. I just see him three years at Hawaii. That's it. Okay, no, that was that was his second year. Okay, okay, that, that sure. I don't want. But I'm, and and to to answer your question, they played 14 games last year. So Hawaii could or, or that year, yeah. They okay. they won the Hawaii Bowl against Arizona State. Oh, there it is. Okay, for some reason, CFU reference is being weird, or I'm being weird. But he can play 14 games and make a title game and or bowl game. He can play 15 games. Possibly. Possibly. Hey, playoff 16? Come on. No. (laughs) 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 Yeah, right. Uh, But still, 70 and 14, if he gets to 14, which he probably bowl game is going to be likely, that's not going to happen. Seriously, do you think he is that record in reach? Well, he's already at 20 after five games. I don't see why not. (laughs) Because when they play, here's the reason why I think I think he's going to break the record, fifty eight. Because he plays Nevada. Okay. He plays San Jose State. Yeah. Um. That, UNLV, man, they're not a super opposing defense, so why not? So he yeah. may, so he basically needs forty the rest of the way, right? Is that correct? What we're saying, or thirty eight the rest of the way? Mm-hmm. Five, six, seven, eight. So that's what. What's 38 divided by 3? Is that what the number I'm looking at? 38 divided by 3 is oh, 13. Not 3, sorry, not 3. Um, 38, um, 1, 2, math is awesome. I love math. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Sorry, 38 divided by 8. I don't know where I got that. So he would need to add. That would be 4 point something, 4.5, I think. No, he has to. It can't be, it's more than that still, you think? We'll, we'll move off this subject because we're, this isn't <laughs> either way. It's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun offense to watch. Give me four touchdowns a game the rest of the way. Is that good enough to ask? That seems like an awful lot to ask. That but would be. I would uh, not be surprised if he did that. Yeah, that'd give. Yeah, that'd be like you said, seventy plus. So he could have an off game with a three a couple times. That's okay, right? Yeah. So, all right, they're four and one. They're going to be five and one next week. Are they going to be ranked at any point this year? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, if they keep winning, I don't see why not. Well, if they beat Wyoming, will they, will they be ranked at 6-1 and one if they beat Wyoming? Because right now they have no points in either pool. Oh, okay, so that's only two more wins, right? That's right. That seems like an awful lot to ask. It seems to me like it's the kind of situation then that they'd have to get to like 7-1 or one or 8-1 and one before they're even considered. So that means beating BYU on the road? Is that the if they beat BYU, that would be that would definitely turn some heads, yeah. And if they're sitting at eight and one, mm-hmm. okay, all right, nine and one, man, this could be a good team. 
It's going to be a fun team. So what two-win team are you picking next year, Matt, that they should be good? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, let's not talk about that yet. Let's, <laughs> let's see Hawaii win a division first before we confirm my wizarding powers. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. They, that'll be great. They play at San Diego State. It'd be great if they could host because that'd be awesome. We'll see. Um, all right, so anything else we need to talk about? Any questions besides just people saying the conference sucks and doesn't suck that much? I think I'm good. Me too. I think we're good here. So here's, a, here's the thing, folks. we got next week more conference games are coming into play. Uh, basketball. Should we mention basketball momentarily? We should. Eli Bedker and myself are starting our basketball previews. I believe we're recording one this Sunday night, but it won't be out for a week or so because basketball season starts November 6th, folks. That's like five weeks away. Yeah, I think I saw a tweet about that, about Colorado State basketball season is 45 days away, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's coming up. So we are doing... Two, two or so a week preview teams, TV, team previews, 25 top player count down. So if you're listening to this, you want to get our basketball coverage. We have a few new Nevada guys to blow out the budget for that coverage because they're going to be really good, I think. I think, right? Is that what we're hearing, correct, Matt? The I don't know. I don't know anything about college basketball, but I'm pretty confident they're going to be good. Yeah, they should be good. So check out that. So subscribe, at iTunes, tune in, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, basically anywhere you can purchase your free podcast. We're there. Basketball coming up soon. Obviously, the football one here. We'll have week five. Do we have, really quick, Matt, any first look at the lines at this time of day that we need to pass over and not talk about? Uh, <laughs> as, I I mentioned, as I mentioned, as I should have something ready to say instead of, hey, let's talk about this for a minute where we know nothing about. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for the website or Twitter. Follow our Twitter, MWCY. Later today or at this moment, there'll be early odds so we can you can mock or go to a legally established betting parlor of your choice to make a bet. Make a bet. It does not look like there are any lines yet, by the way. You are correct. Nevada Air Force, no lines. So good thing I talked for so much. Um, let's just say this. I'm looking forward to Toledo and Fresno State. Oh, amen. Are That's going to be good. Are you going to be in attendance to that game, do you think? I am going to try, yes. All right. So look for Matt Kennerly in attendance in the somewhere in Bulldog Stadium next week. TBD. Yes. All right, folks. That's it for today. Again, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you like your podcast. And we'll see you next time, folks, for week five.